We're living at the last of the last days, according to the Scriptures. And tonight, with God's help, we're going to look at it. I'm aware that some things I may say may be a little strange. I may tread on some uh, corns. Uh, I don't mean to be offensive, but if the word and the truth is offensive, it's not me. I don't mean to be, and I try not to be, but I just want to tell you the truth as we see it, that the Scripture says, and as the Spirit leads us to tell you. Will you turn to your Bible, if you have it with me, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, please. We're just going to lift out a couple of verses, for we have a lot to get through here. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. The Lord Jesus is the speaker in verse 9, he says, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. And he saith unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Keep your Bible open there, for we will refer to that chapter. Let us pray. Father, thank you for such a crowd of a goodly number that you've brought into our midst and into your presence this evening. Lord, we pray now that you would cover this people, every home and family that is represented with the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, would you now anoint my clay lips and in my My frailty, Lord, would you give me strength and boldness of the Holy Spirit to be able to bring your word with clarity to this people. Glorify the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask it. For he alone is worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus says that nation would rise against nation and Kingdom would rise against kingdom, and we have called this nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, World War III question mark, or in other words, will it be? Is it close to it? And everything that the world sees, people tend to live their lives just every day. They run on with their life, and the, the things that are happening at such an extent and a rate that I couldn't write it down this week, the things that are right. We'd be here to midnight if I tried to tell you all the things that has happened. So this is a summary of some of the things that's happening, even just local in the United Kingdom with the European Union. Just a few bits here and there, but very important nevertheless. In verse 9, the Lord Jesus says, But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, note the word, war and commotions. The word commotions here is a big word, Akatastasia, and it means tumult. You will hear of commotions, tumult, but it also means confusion. Note that. It means confusion, chaos, disturbance, state of disorder. Let me say it again. The word commotions, or the Greek word for it, means tumult, confusion, disturbance, chaos, state of of disorder. The Lord Jesus says, you will hear about these. It's not the end just yet, but we're coming very close. That's the day that we live in. 
when our world, our nation is like that. For example, the word here for confusion or the English word confusion and the Greek word which has those meanings in James chapter 3 and verse 16. This is the only other place that this is mentioned in the same context. James says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, it's mentioned in other places, but directly in this context. Notice, let me read it again, James 3 and 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. Notice, and every evil work. So where the confusion of the nations are, where the confusion of the European Union is, where the confusion with Great Britain and the Brexit, confusion of Ireland North and South is, there's every evil work behind it according to the scripture. Wars and violence and bloodshedding has always been on the earth since Cain killed Abel. So we're not saying this is the first we've ever heard of wars. We know throughout history there's been wars. In chapter 24 of Matthew's gospel, listen to what it says. The Lord Jesus says, there shall be wars and rumors of wars. Now take note of the word rumors. Commotions is in Luke, rumors is in Matthew's account. And as some could argue that this word rumors, what does it mean? It means to hear. Now we all know we hear of wars every single day. But what it gives the idea of is you're going to hear more and more about it. So with man's capabilities and man's ability to destroy himself on planet earth with the well, the internet and with all the social media, we now can see things that we could never, ever see before. So it is in our face, it's in our homes every single day. The Lord Jesus says there'll be wars and rumors or you will hear more and more. He says there'll be wars and confusion or commotions. There'll be wars and states of disorder. Look from the United States, the states of disorder could be called at this time. The tumult that's across the nations, the confusion in the faces of leaders and of governments and of men, the disturbance that's all around us. How often do we hear of wars and killings, murders and slaughterings, fightings and wars that we should not even as a nation have gotten ourselves into, bloodshed all over the place. And it's always another's problem. The idea here is, that we hear of rumors, but it's somewhere else. Have you forgotten, Ulster? What has happened in our own province? It came to our door. It is still in our door. And while others, for example, the United States of America, and I have many friends who not only watch here, but are friends of mine in the United States, and they know where I'm coming from. The like of Noriad, who gathered money to fund the terrorism in Northern Ireland for years and years. And until 9-11, there was never such terrorism on the land of the United States of America. See, it's always different when there's a sickness in someone else's house, when there's a death sentence over someone else. It's always different. We think that it's always going to be another. It's always going to be another's funeral that we attend. So why worry about whether we're saved or not? We'll always attend some other one. Well, one day it will be ours. And it's where you are with Christ at that point. 
will determine where you spend eternity. Will you spend eternity with Christ, which is far better, or will you be in a lake of fire? Surely one can see today's world cannot, can, cannot continue in its present condition and state. There are indeed wars and rumors of wars, and we're always hearing about new wars, and there are certainly wars and commotions growing worldwide. A state of disorder, disturbances, and anarchy are all over in almost every nation of the world. The world is in a growing and an increasing state of commotion, confusion, chaos. And let me tell you where it's coming from. It's from a secret society called the New World Order, who are not so secret anymore. The slogan of the New World Order is Novus Ordo Seclorum. Novus Ordo Seclorum. And this is what it means. Order. Out of chaos. Did you get that? Jesus says there will be wars and commotions, chaos, disruptions. And their slogan is order out of chaos. It is actually the motto and the creed of 33 degree masonry. Notice this. Here is their three points. First of all, create the problem. Create the problem. Secondly, get a reaction. And thirdly, provide the solution. I'm going to say it again. Create the problem. Get the reaction. Provide the solution. Now, do you see the chaos that's going on in Westminster at this minute? And the chaos between there and Brussels now into Northern Ireland with Dublin. You're going to find that with all of this, whether this bill goes through that Theresa May has come up with, and whether it goes through or not, and I doubt whether it will, but the idea is it'll go back to Brussels, and they'll come back and say, either we need a second referendum, or else it will turn, they'll turn around and say, there is no Brexit, we're forgetting it. In order to get out of it, there is chaos, and there's no way out. There's no way out. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 25, Jesus said, There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, listen, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now listen. It reminds me of times when the littlest thing starts the war or the confusion. It starts with the creating the problem. Do you know the straw that broke the camel's back for the First World War? Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophia were in Bosnia. And when they were in Bosnia, they were shot dead while traveling through the crowd. They were executed. And because of that, Austria came into Bosnia for war. Britain had always said that they would stand by the Bosnians. So it drew in Britain into Bosnia and hence sparked off the First World War. When after the First World War, we find that the rise of Hitler's Reichstag speech 
And that right, right stage speaks, it was in uh, 1933. And it was said that, or it is reported, or purported, that there were communists. Now, the communists were Jews. That the communists burned the Reichstag building. And that was the start of the gathering and the increasing of the Nazi movement in Germany. And since that, then came the Second World War. Takes a little thing out of chaos. Here's the chaos, then they bring the confusion and they give the, uh, the answer to the problem. And this is all being pulled behind the strings or being pulled by a new world order, mostly by elite bankers who own the world. Notice Jesus says, Upon the earth there will be distress of nations with perplexity. I'm taking my time tonight because I want you to get it. It's important. I'm not flying off and way down a rabbit. Well, not yet anyhow. Distress of nations with perplexity. Now, the word distress here is the word sunache, and it means to hold together a contracting, a parting of the ways, or a narrowing off the way. To be in a straits. In other words, all the problems that the world are facing are all now trying to squeeze through. And they can't get through and the chaos happens and they become distressed. That's the idea of it. Lord Jesus Christ himself says it would be like that when? Before his coming again. Before his second coming. Notice fracturing friendships, catastrophic contracts, and disastrous dilemmas and polemic peoples are around the world, especially in the European Union now. Polemic, they're from different multi-faiths, multinationals, all trying to squeeze them, fit them in to a United States of Europe. And that's where the trouble is now coming from. See, they're creating chaos that we need someone to come and to sort it all out. Well, guess what? He is coming. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in the men and women of Brussels. Listen, French President Emmanuel Macron said on just Remembrance Day there, Armistice Day, when he was giving his commemoration speech, listen, this is just a snippet of what he said. He said, nationalism is the betrayal of patriotism. In saying our interests first, whatever happens to the others. In other words, what he's saying is we're going to squeeze and distress them all in together. Paris, at sometimes it's like a blazing inferno or a rubbish dump in parts of it now when you're going through it. The Bible tells us that they will not stick together. The Bible tells us that this European state is going to fall apart. The Bible tells us it. Listen, Whitey has a point. Let us remember that five days previous to this speech, he called on the 6th of November, just there last week, on the 6th of November, he called himself 
for a real European army. Now, this is the European army they always denied they were going after. You see, they take it a bit at a time. He called for a real European army to defend against Russia and China and the United States of America. Of course, President Trump wasn't too happy because he thought he was his mate. He thought he was friends with him. This is followed by Angela Merkel on the 13th of November. She also called for a European Union army. This isn't nationalism, what they're calling for. Neither is it patriotism. I'll tell you what it is. It's globalism. It's globalism. I wonder, does the EU have aspirations that you and I know nothing about? Of course they do. Will you turn with me to Daniel chapter 2, please? Daniel chapter 2. We can't read all of it. I would advise you to read it all. It's very apt. And I'm not going to go too much into detail on these things. I've done them very much in detail on their online if you want to, uh, to watch them. I preached before uh, two, a series of two meetings on Brexit. And then Brexit part two is this deliverance from the Fourth Reich. Um, and of course we voted then on the 23rd of June um, and of course we voted to leave uh, as a United Kingdom we voted to leave the European Union and um, when I uh, put that up that the, not everyone agreed with me and it's still there if you want you can, you can uh, watch it, look at it online let me tell you what's happening the house of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, are carried away captive into Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, he has a dream and he calls his soothsayers and his wizards. And he says, tell me what I dreamt. Not even here's the dream. He says, tell me what I dreamt and then tell me the interpretation of what I have just dreamt. None can do it and he's about to slay them all. One says, wait, there's a man with an excellent spirit. His name is Daniel. He's off the, the Judaites who were brought in. And so Daniel is brought in and he seeks the face of God. And this is what the dream is on the interpretation. Please read it all when you go home the chapter. Verse 31, Daniel 2. This is Daniel's reply. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and in the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass his legs of iron, his feet part of iron, part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and of clay. Notice that, the feet were of iron and of clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So there's your dream, Nebuchadnezzar. Notice what he says in verse 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, he hath given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Notice. Thou art this head of gold. 
Now, that's very important. He says, you had a dream as a man and a head of gold, arms and breast of silver. His belly or his midriff was of brass. His upper legs or his thighs were of iron and his feet were of iron and clay. He says, you're the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. Babylonian kingdom is the head of gold. The next that comes along through, through the years and through time are the silver kingdom or the Medo-Persian kingdom. You read of it in Daniel chapter 5. And of course, the two arms of the Medes and the Persians, two arms, silver. Then Alexander the Great comes, uh, the great Grecian emperor, and he takes over, and that's, uh, that's where we get the whole uh, Greek language from all across the Middle East by the spreading of this. And there was uh, the belly or the midriff of brass, the legs of iron come, and they are uh, the Roman Caesars, the Roman Empire. That's in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pontius Pilate was off the legs of iron. And then the iron and clay. Even if you get a man and you were to go over to where Babylon would be and put his head of gold and run him east to west, his feet would end up right across the legs of iron in Italy where the Roman Caesars were from. And out of there came the papal Roman Empire. And from that you'll have the feet of iron and clay which land where the nations of Europe are today. The word Europe comes from the word, or, or Europa, who was a, a, a Phoenician goddess or princess. And the idea is that she was carried away uh, by Zeus, the Greek god, the chief god. And he deforms himself and changes himself into a beast or a bull. And he puts her on his back and he carries her to Crete. And then, of course, goes into Europe. And that is a woman riding the beast. Now, across Europe, you can see the woman riding the beast outside Strasbourg. You can see it all over Europe. And the woman with a crown of stars in her hand riding the bull or the beast. And this is Zeus, the Greek god. These men have placed these gods. It's like the house of Israel when they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, when they made bull calves to worship. One in Dan and one in Bethel. And now they have other uh, things that they are worshipping that are not of God. Now notice this. Let your eye run down, just for time's sake. Verse 41. Whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with merry clay, and as the feet of the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with merry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Notice, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. You ever get something and you're digging in the garden, there's some metal and it's all covered in mud, and you lift it up and you, you can break the mud off the iron? That's the idea of this. He says they'll come together. There'll be different faiths. There'll be different cultures. They're all going to be squeezed together. They're all going to look apart until they all start breaking apart. <coughs> and that's the European Union that we are looking at this very moment. They are turning in on one another. And it is falling down. In fact, in the book of Revelation, it tells us that Babylon the Great, that is the, the Roman Church of Europe, and then, of course, that is the European Union, the beast. It says that Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen. Babylon is going to fall. The European Union is going to break up. Look at Italy. 
Look at Greece. Look at Spain. Look at Portugal. Look at all the other, other, other countries. Now they're even starting to turn upon it to say we won't accept any more migrants into our countries throughout the Balkan areas that have come into the European Union. Look, this is going to turn in on itself. It's going to implode, then explode. It is going to break up like iron and clay will not stick together. And the Word of God tells us, Britain, come out. Come out. That you be not partaker of our plagues. Notice here, these aspirations to keep us in. In 1950, we had the European steel and coal community. That was to be able just to work together. Britain wasn't even in it at that point. 1957, notice the Treaty of Rome and the EEC, the European Economic Community was formed. Then in 1973, Britain joins with Denmark and Ireland. Then it starts to morph into what it is now, the European Union. See what we have now? That's not what Britain joined. That's not what, it's morphed into that. It's been that step after step after step of a new world order that gathers all together. Notice in 2008, the Republic of Ireland voted on the Lisbon Treaty, 2008. And I remember it well because I was pastoring a church in the heart of Dublin at the time. I want you to know if I talk about whether it's the Roman church behind us or wherever else, I'm not talking about the Catholic people. I worked with them, I loved them, I shepherded them for years down there. I'm going to talk about Europe, I'm talking about the European Union system, not the people of Europe. Please understand that. Notice in 2008, the Republic of Ireland voters voted 53.4% against 46.6% to reject Europe. Now, this born treaty, they were told, you ready? Now, listen to the language. They were told, wrong answer. They did not understand what they were voting for. Does it sound familiar to you? And they were told they voted no because of their lies and disinformation during their referendum on their vote. Does it sound familiar now? Aren't you hearing it now? It's the same rhetoric and they said to the people of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, try again. I have a question. I have a question. What Irish nationalist can truly stand to lose their nationality as it is swallowed up by one worldism or globalism? Emmanuel Macron said there is no nationalism anymore. Just this week, just yesterday I think it was, Guy Von Start, I can't remember his name. Von Start, you know what he said? That every country must surrender their sovereignty to the European Union. Every one. Every single one, he said. You can watch it online. Here's a question. You ready? How can any unionist 
trade the cost of living for the, pardon me, how can any units for trade and for the cost of living sell out Northern Ireland? When the Ulster Solemn League and Covenant was signed on the 28th of September 1912 by almost 500,000 men, some of them with their own blood. How come they? You're a unionist when it suits you. When it suits you. Theresa May, here's a strange little thing for you. I was just thinking about this and strange. I was at a meeting yesterday and it was mentioned and I said, uh, Lloyd was with me and I said, I was going, that's stealing my thunder here. I'm glad there wasn't too many there that were from here. It just came to me as I thought this out, but Theresa May announces her deal to Westminster on the 15th of just this week, 15th of the 11th, 15th of November. That's 33 years, not only to the year, but to the day of the Anglo-Irish Agreement. Now we're looking in the jaws and in the face of it again. Do you know what number 33 means in the Scriptures? The number 33 in the scriptures, it gives the idea of two things, either blessing or judgment. For example, Noah builds the ark. The 11th time the name Noah is mentioned, the 11th time his name is mentioned in scripture, it speaks of the promise of the rainbow, that God would not flood the earth again. And another example, for the 11th time, the name Abraham is mentioned. Father Abraham's name. Now, pardon me, the 33rd time, pardon me, that his name is mentioned, he has given the promise of the son of his loins, Isaac, from which his seed would be called blessing. Now, 33 is made up of 11, 11, and 11. That wasn't a big number. Sure, that's not too hard. Three times 11. Now think about this. For example, we have three times 11 on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month was armistice. Blessing came from the cease of the First World War. And notice this. 11 is one more than 10. (laughs) That's a big one, isn't it? 11 is one more than 10. 10 is God's perfect order. 10 commandments. Parable of the 10 virgins. The 10 tribes of the north. 10 is the number of God's perfect order. And then, of course, 12. 11 is one less than 12. And that is... God's number for government. So the number 11, you ready? In Scripture speaks of chaos and disorder. Three is the number of witness. 11, 11, 11, 33. From the signing of the Anglo-Irish Agreement right through to Theresa May walks into Westminster to hand out, to hand Ulster back over the chance of a united Ireland soaked into the European Union. 
time will tell if this is going to be our blessing. If God will deliver us or if this is going to be a further judgment. The Lord Jesus says, you shall hear of wars and commotions, chaos, confusion, and upon the earth, the stress of nations with perplexity. The, the word perplexity or aporia, it means in a state of quandary, no way out. Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be for man, no way out. But guess what, brothers and sisters? There may not be a way out, but when he returns, there's a way up. <laughs> Hallelujah. For the redeemed of the Lord, we will meet him and return to earth with him. Notice here, the state of society is noted in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Paul says, but know this also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous is the word kalripas. And it's only used one other time in Matthew 8 and 28. And it talks about the two men who were possessed with devils. And it says, they were exceeding fierce, for no man could pass by them. The words exceeding fierce is the exact word for perilous. In the last days, perilous, exceeding fierce times will come. When we read on, 2 Timothy 3 and 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Sound familiar, doesn't it? So then he wonder that there's confusion, chaos, that people are blinded, and that the devil is having his way. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And listen, people say, oh, see, using your spirituality of these things, of the scriptures and the Bible and all this sort of stuff, and you know religion causes so many wars. Is that right? Well, maybe you want to go to the godless atheist who in the last century slew over 100 million people. One hundred million people by the atheists. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter sixteen? While you're looking that up, there's something I'm going to read out to you, and then we're going to go here and move away from the European Union. In 2012, one of the main leaders of Europe, von Rompuy, this is what he said in a speech. You ready? We are all Jesuits. That's his words, not mine. Talking to leaders, multi-faiths, but he says to the leaders, we are all Jesuits. Most of the European leaders are Jesuits. The 
Before we go any further, I don't know how much of this to read or not because it's very long. I have in my hand the Jesuit extreme oath of induction. As you can see, there's quite a few, quite a few pages here. Bear with me, I read some of this out. The superior says, My son, heretofore have you been taught to act as a assembler among Roman Catholics, to be a Roman Catholic. In other words, even among the Roman Catholic people. And to be a spy even among your own brethren. To believe no man, to trust no man. You ready? Among the reformers, to be a reformer. Among the Huguenots, to be a Huguenot. Among the Calvinists, to be a Calvinist. Among the Protestants, generally, to be a Protestant. And obtaining their confidence to seek even to preach from their pulpits. And to denounce with all vehemence in your nature our holy religion and the Pope. And even to descend so low as to become a Jew among Jews. That you might be enabled to gather together all information for the benefit of your order as a faithful soldier of the Pope? Have you been taught to insidiously plant seeds of jealousy and hatred between communities, provinces, states that were at peace and incite them to deeds of blood, involving them in war with each other and to create revolutions and civil wars in countries that were independent and prosperous, cultivating the arts and the sciences and enjoying the blessings of peace to take sides with the combatants, combatants and to act secretly with your brother Jesuit who might be engaged on the other side, but openly opposed to that which you might be connected, only that the church might be the gainer in the end, in the end conditions fixed in their treaties for peace, and that the end justifies the means. That's what he's saying is, doesn't matter if there's one on the other side and they're in secret, you be in secret, Tear them down. You have been taught your duty as to spy, to gather all statistics, facts, and information in your power from every source, to ingratiate yourself into the confidence of the family circle of Protestants and heretics, of every class and character, as well as of that of the merchant, the banker, the lawyer, among the schools and universities, in parliaments, in legislators, and the judiciaries, and the councils of state, and to be all things to all men for the Pope's sake, whose servants we are unto death. You have received all your instructions heretofore as a novice and a neophyte, and have served as coadjurer, confessor, and priest, but you have not yet been invested with all that is necessary to command in the army of Loyola. That's Ignatius Loyola. In the service of the Pope, you must serve the proper time as the instrument and executioner as directed by your superiors. For none can command here who has not consecrated his labors with the blood of the heretic. For without the shedding of blood of man can none be saved. Did you hear that? Therefore, to fit yourself for your work and make your own salvation sure, you will, in addition to your former oath of obedience, to your order, and allegiance to the Pope, repeat after me. 
I, they state their name. Now in the presence of Almighty God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Blessed Michael the Archangel, the Blessed St. John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles, St. Peter and St. Paul, and all the saints and the sacred hosts of heaven, unto you, my ghostly Father, the Superior General of the Society of Jesus, founded by St. Ignatius Loyola, and the Pontificate of Paul III, and continue to the present, do by the womb of the Virgin, the matrix of God, and the rod of Jesus Christ declare and swear that His Holiness the Pope is the vicar, uh, pardon me, is Christ the Vice Regent, and is the true and only head of the Catholic or Universal Church throughout the earth. And that by virtue of the keys of binding and loosing given to His Holiness by my Saviour Jesus Christ, He hath power to dispose heretical kings, princes, states, commonwealths, and governments, all being legal. Pardon me, all being illegal without his sacred confirmation, and that they may safely be destroyed. Therefore, to the utmost of my power, I shall well defend his, this doctrine of his, uh, of his holiness, right and custom against all usurpers of the heretical or Protestant authority, whatever, especially the Lutheran in Germany, Holland, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and now pretended authority of the churches of England and Scotland. And the branches of the same now established in Ireland and on the continent of America and elsewhere. And all adherents in regard that they be usurped and heretical opposing the sacred mother church of Rome. I do now renounce and disown any allegiance as do to any heretic, heretical king, prince and state, Protestants and liberals, or obedience to any of the laws or magistrates or officers. I do further declare that the doctrine of the churches of England and Scotland, of the Calvinists, Huguenots, and other names of Protestants or liberals, to be damnable, they themselves damned, who will not forsake the same. I do further declare that I will help, assist, advise all and any of His Holiness agents in any place, wherever I shall be, in Switzerland, Germany, Holland, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, England, Ireland, or America, or in any other kingdom or territory I shall come to, and do my utmost to extirpate all heretical Protestants or liberal doctrines and to destroy all the pretended powers regal in other ways. I do further promise and declare that notwithstanding I am dispensed with to assume my mother, pardon me, to assume my religion heretical for propaganda of the mother church's interest, to keep secret and private all her agents' counsels from time to time as they may entrust me not to divulge directly or indirectly by word, writing, circumstance or whatever. But to execute all shall be proposed, given in charge or, or discovered to me, unto me by you, my ghostly father, or any of his sacred covenant. Now listen, he goes on and on and on. Now listen to this. This is really important. You ready? I furthermore promise and declare that I will, when the opportunity present, make and wage relentless war secretly, and openly against all heretics, Protestants, and liberals, as I am directed to do, to extirpate and exterminate them from the face of the whole earth. And that I will spare neither age, sex, or condition, and that I will hang, waste, boil, flay, strangle, and bury alive these infamous heretics, rip up their stomachs and the wombs of their women, and crush their infants' heads against the walls. 
in order to annihilate forever the execrable race. That when the same cannot be done openly, I will secretly use the poison cup, the strangulation cord, the steel of a poniard, or the leaden bullet, regardless of the honor, rank, dignity, or authority of the persons or persons, whatever may be their condition in life, either public or private, as I at any time may be directed so to do by the agent of the Pope or superior of the brotherhood of the holy faith of the society of Jesus. And that's not at all. Most of the leaders in the European Union are trained in Jesuit school. Now you tell me, where does Ulster stand? Come on, brother, sister. Opens your eyes, doesn't it? And this is what they do. They become ecumenical with the Protestant churches and they preach from their pulpits. And they come under false pretenses and now we have people who are elevating Ignatius of Loyola in their pulpits. This is the secret behind it all. I told you it wasn't going to be easy listening tonight, didn't it? But we're not finished. Let's move away from Europe. Will you go with me to Revelation 16? And I'm just going to rhyme these off. I don't want to turn this into a, a lot more for you. Verse 13. I tell you what, verse 12, pardon me. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the, kings, the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. You ready? So the way of the kings of the east might be prepared, and where we're looking now in other parts of the world, gathering and building together for a World War III or Armageddon, whatever people want to call it. It's a battle of that, the battle of that great day of God Almighty is really the biblical name for it. The river Euphrates was, if you look at it on a map, so you're going to have to think of a map in your head, it's the fertile crescent that goes right down into Iran, through Iraq, right over from the land of Israel, right up and across, and that's where Abraham came from. That is the river Euphrates or the fertile crescent. And the reason uh, uh, the, the lot of people lived around there because of the irrigation from the river. The Ottoman Empire took over. This is after years now. I'm just paraphrasing this. You can watch it online. But the Ottoman Empire, the Islamic Ottoman Empire took over and held it right up to earlier parts of the last century. That is the 20th century, the 1900s. In 1917, General Allenby, a British general, flying, uh, brought in the flying, our flying corps, uh, number 31 bomber squadron. And they were the little two-winged biplanes and they flew over Jerusalem and they dropped leaflets. They didn't fire a shot and they didn't drop a bomb. And the, the Turks dropped their weapons and the Ottomans ran out and they surrendered without a bomb being dropped and their shot being fired. And the Lord had preserved Jerusalem as he had said in Isaiah 31 verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts preserve Jerusalem. So as birds flying, they fly over and, and the Turks have surrendered. It's all in history. And from then, 
Even just slightly before that, they were losing power, the, the Ottoman Turks. And from then, the river Euphrates started to dry up. Not the water. The population started to dry up. The, that was ruled by the Ottoman Empire. Started to dry up until we have now the Turkish Islamic Republic today. So the Ottoman Empire dried up. And it was finished drying up around 1920s. And it just became the, 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 the nation that we know today as Turkey. Now, in 1917, while that was drying up, 1917, Allenby releases Jerusalem. Just as Bible prophecy had said, it's a seven times punishment from Leviticus 26 and the carrying away of the house of Judah uh, was up. And you can, you can look at that online. I just haven't got time. Time's already gone. But listen, from that moment in 1917, the same year, we had the lying, lying visions of the shepherd children of Fatima in Portugal. Consecrate the heart of Russia, apparently, Mary said to these children, unto my heart. Consecrate Russia unto my heart. And so war actually started with Russia. And then on the same year, we had a, a Chinese student called Mao Zedong. And he took up the Marxist ideology, which then, of course, communism and so on. And, and he takes that up and brings it to China. And the Chinese nationalists are rejecting it. And when the Chinese nationalists are rejecting it, of course, there's war in China. And the Chinese nationalists are pushed back into where Taiwan is today. That's why America backs Taiwan. And they're looking to get Taiwan back. And so we had then the Chinese Soviet People's Republic that comes out of that. So here is another great atheistic country. And it rises up from 1917. The war with Russia. People are claiming, lay claim for Mary's Immaculate Heart and all this sort of stuff to lay it for Russia. Now the atheists of, of, of China and of course then it goes into North Korea. And you know in North Korea they actually have their own Ten Commandments? I taught on it one time before. They have their own Ten Commandments, not of God, but of the leader of North Korea has written his own Ten Commandments. That is the grandfather of the man who's there now. All of these things were the rising of the kings of the East after the drying of the river Euphrates. And now what we have for the last, I think it's about 15 years, maybe run about that. We have what's known as the Shanghai Cooperation. And that is Russia and China together doing, uh, playing war games, as it were. Practicing for war for years. And what happens is that the kings of the east are now rising up after the drying of the river Euphrates. Notice what verse 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. That's the atheistic communism. Out of the mouth of the beast. Here we have Romanism and the European Union. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, here we have Islam and all of the problems that's coming with it now. For they are, notice, the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Now, Jesus is letting us know that this is happening. Verse 15, Behold, I come, he says. Jesus said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called 
Armageddon, the Mount of Slaughter. That's where we're heading to. And then when we read from verse 17, the seventh angel, seventh angel pours out his, his vial. And there's a voice out of the temple of heaven. Look what it says. It is done. That's the exact same words when Jesus cried. Uh, uh, pardon me, it's the exact same tense of when Jesus cried on the cross. It is finished. You read that. There's no more angels pouring out vials. It's the last one. End of the age. Christ is coming. And now he says, I'm going to pour it out. And he says, it is done, cries the angel, once and for all, finished. I want to tell you, when Jesus hung and bled and died on the cross for your sin and for mine, that you wouldn't have to go and walk up mountains and go on tracks, and you wouldn't have to go on pilgrimages, and you wouldn't have to pay money for your loved ones to get out of a so-called purgatory, and you wouldn't have to do any of that, but the just shall live by faith. And he cried on the cross when he shed his blood, it is finished. Last sacrifice forever for sin. The last sacrifice forever. God will not accept anything else but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for the payment of your sin forever. It's the exact same tense. I ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you saved? Because all of this, I'm showing you, the Bible says all this is coming upon us. I want to tell you something, friend. We have people in here from, who were Roman Catholics and they've realized that you have to get saved by grace through faith. And we have people in here, by the way, who says they were Protestants, good loyalists, and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure we're all going to go to heaven. No, you weren't. You were lost and you were going to hell without Christ. Without Christ. Notice. We're told here of what it will be like. It says that there will be every island, verse 4, fled away and the mountains were not found. For, pardon me, verse 20, and the islands where mountains were not found and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Here we see Armageddon and God starts to pour out his wrath. Now, here's the thing. Are you saved? Turn with me to Ezekiel 38. We're going to show you the players in this. I've done this many a time, and I've done this in detail. Please understand when we look at this one that there are people who have a difference of opinion of these land masses, what they were, and the nations that they are today, for they weren't called the same names. And I, I understand that. But these are what I am persuaded on myself that they represent and stand for today. Book of Ezekiel, please, 38. I'll just get it myself here. Okay. Verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach, of Tubal. Prophesy against him and says, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, let me stop. Gog and Magog. It means big, colossal. It actually gives the idea of mountain. Big, colossal area. Mountains and scriptures can be nations. And right above from where the land of Israel is, straight up north, it says they come out, I haven't time to read it all, come out of the north parts. A big, colossal area 
are coming out of the north parts, I believe, is Russia. Meshach and Tubal. And Meshach really gives the idea of around the southern area. Some think it's the ancient names of Moscow and Tobolsk. But around the southern and southeastern nations around that direction of, of the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union. And notice this, what it says. I, I can't, it says in verse 5, who will come with them? Persia, that is Iran. Iraq, that whole area. Persia, Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia is um, what's known as Cush in the Bible. That's the Sudan, parts of Egypt. And if you want, it's parts of Egypt that are Arabic Egypt, then you have black Africa and so on. It's parts of the Islamic black Africa. Now, notice this. Verse 6, Gomer and all his bands. Uh, people say that's Germany, and I believe it could be from Germany to western Turkey around that area. We're just not 100% sure, but look what's happening today. And all his bands, all those people who are related to them around there, could be around uh, that whole satellite area of where um, Bosnia and uh, you have the Serbs, then you had the, the Muslims around there, and all of that sort of area. Notice this. In the house of Tagarma, of the north quarters. Tagarma was the son of Gomer. So they're believed to be Turkey and what's known as the Stan nations, Turkestan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, all of those Islamic Turkish nations. And in recent years, the Shanghai cooperation between Russia and China, they have brought all of these nations in to do the war games with them. They're all now uh, aligned. In fact, within the last few weeks, they've had the biggest war, uh, uh, war games, if we can call it, ever. You go online and look at it. Thousands of tanks. Thousands upon thousands of troops between China and Russia preparing for war. Notice, if you want, then, please, let your eye run right down uh, the, to verse 13. Then comes Sheba, and Dedan, these are a different group of people who come against it. And the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lands thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Now the merchants of Sheba and Dedan are believed to be somewhere around the, Penin the Arabian Peninsula and desert. Now listen, I know that Saudi Arabia is one of the most worst countries in the world. I understand that. But listen, Saudi Arabia were actually set up by the British. Did you know that? They were given the land by the British. And here's the thing. They would do anything to keep their power. So they might come along with Britain. Where's Britain in it? The merchants of Tarshish and all the young lands thereof. The United States of America and Great Britain. Tarshish means smelting. They used to come and sail out through the pillars of Hercules where the rock, that's the rock of Gibraltar and right up around into the coast of England for tin and for copper round into Anglesey. And they used to bring it and put the tin and the copper together and make their bronze and their brass. Way back then, Israel migrated through there. And they says they, they will come, and they'll say, art thou come to take a spoil? Now, whether you love the Israeli state and the Jewish people are, or whether you hate them as neither here nor there, Jesus said they're going to be there. Will you turn with me to Luke's gospel as we finish this? 
Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, please. Verse 29, and he spake unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees, where they now shoot forth, you see and know that yourselves, of your own selves, that summer is not at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, you know that the kingdom of God is now at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. What's the fig tree? Fig tree was the emblem of Jure or Judah. So the fig tree after 1917 was liberated. And then the fig tree gathered and became a nation state in 1948. And so the fig tree has been planted again. The leaves are coming out, but there's very little fruit. We need to leave that with God then. The Jews en masse, they don't want to know Christ. In fact, they hate him. Many, especially the Orthodox, they hate the Lord Jesus. They hate him. And the Lord says he is coming back and he's going to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives and he's going to walk through that golden gate, the eastern side of Jerusalem, and he's going to set up his kingdom in the earth. The European Union is going to collapse. All the false religions of the world are going to tumble down and the unsaved there will stand before him in judgment. The king is coming. He's coming. Notice, this is my last reading. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves. This is to you, friend, tonight. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness, the cares of this life, so that any day come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What if you stood before him now? Are you ready? Look, if the Bible has told us in so much detail, and that's just me doing a little summary of it, of all these things that's going on in our world, the confusion and the chaos and the nations gathering together one against another, if the Bible tells us that, it also says this to you, you must be born again. It also tells you to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus says, except a man or a woman, except a man be born again, he cannot see nor enter into the kingdom of God. Will you be there? Will you enter in? Will you be accepted? Will you be counted worthy? Well, I'm accounted worthy. There's not one of us worthy. You're counted worthy when you say, Jesus died for me. And the blood of his son, the blood of God's son, will cleanse me from all sin if I come, a guilty sinner, to a holy God, under the fountain of shed blood, and I will be forgiven of all my sin. Then you're accounted worthy to come into the kingdom of God. Now the Bible says, the Bible says that you must be ready for his coming. Are you saved? Oh yeah, death takes you. You'll stand before him in your fallen state. 
and your dad's dead and your sinful state, you'll stand before him, guilty as charged, and you'll go into a devil's hell, a lake of fire. That's what the Bible tells us. But if you're saved and trusting in the blood of Christ, it says, should you die this time when he comes again, it says, when the Lord comes back, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, if any of us are alive when Jesus comes, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that fantastic? Forgiven of our sins. May God bless his word to us this evening. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. I know some of that stuff was hard, but that's where we are in the world today. That's the forces against us. And the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Team